You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bet MGM. And welcome in to another week of action here on BetQLU. I'm Chris Mack. He's RJ Choppy. He's John Martin. You are watching on the YouTube Odyssey Sports Channel and listening inside your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. It's free. Download it and take us with you wherever you're going this weekend. Whatever the weather is like in your corner of the world, whether there's snow, there's ice, it's winter, it's that time of year. Whether you're up and at them in a beautiful corner of the world where it's sunshiny and bright, whatever you're up to. Thursday nights, Friday nights, Saturday mornings, we got you covered here on BetQLU, live coast to coast on the BetQL network. And yeah, we're going to talk football. We're going to talk about Nick Saban's replacement and a wild story in Miami about a guy who will be coming back for the Hurricanes. But before we get to football, before we get to some of the biggest games of this weekend in college basketball and our best bets, which may include just a sprinkle of uh, our final four picks for the NFL since we've reached the divisional round, let's talk about what was a... Well, topsy-turvy, tumbling kind of week for the top six teams in college basketball between last Tuesday and last Saturday. So what, a five-day window, five different top six teams lost to unranked opponents. Only the third time that's ever happened. Houston losing uh, to Iowa State. You had number one Purdue losing to Nebraska. You had Tennessee losing to Mississippi State. Kansas losing to Central Florida, and Kentucky losing to Texas A&M as well. All five of these losses, important to note, came on the road. So I think that's an important place to start this week. John, let's talk about home court advantage in college basketball and what we've seen to this point this season and just how important it is, especially when we start to look at some of these conferences where it feels like the conference schedule is a death march, right? Big 10 to a certain extent, SEC to an extent, and certainly the Big 12. Just how important is home court advantage? And, and are the books getting it right when they, when they put the numbers out as to how they're weighing home court advantage? Yeah, I mean, look, um, it's pretty efficient. Um, the, the market definitely, you know, I mean, we're in the January, middle of January now. And, and so, you know, from that perspective, you know, it's a, it's, it's, the market's getting pretty mature. Um, we're basically at the end of NFL. And so now the handle for college basketball is about to go way, way up. I mean, relative to, you know, November, for example. So it is going to get a little harder, um, just in terms of the efficiency, but yeah, look, I mean, you're, you're going, you're in that time of the season now where you're getting out of non-conference. Um, Christmas break is over. Finals week is over. Um, and you know, in the case of the, you know, the big 12 that you talked about, uh, those teams are, you know, new to the league. You Houston's new to the league. UCF's new to the league, right? So it's their first year in it, Cincinnati. So there's a little bit of an adjustment. I think that you're seeing that league is better this year than it was a year ago, if that were even possible, right. um, you know, just in terms of the brand. So, yeah, I mean, I think the, 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 you know, the market's pretty efficient. Um, and, and obviously, you know, it's just one of those things. I, I think I saw a number, you know, a stat where 
road teams are winning at a little bit better uh, clip. But again, the sample size is just so small that it's hard to take anything meaningful out of that. So it is what it is. As we get you know deeper into the season, it's going to get harder, and that's no different than any other any other year. He's right. Road games are tough, man. And, you know, because these are, you know, in some of the cases, these are 18 and 19-year-old kids. You know, there are other situations where you still got your COVID seniors out there that are 28 years old. Uh, (laughs) But for the most part, I mean, these are kids. Kids, you know, deal with tough road environments. And for a lot of teams, this is the week. This is that their first set of real true road games. You know, your your in-season tournament, your preseason tournaments are over. You know, you may have had a game where a non-conference game or two where you went on the road, but you know, like like but Purdue, you know, Purdue had a random. I don't know why they played a Big Ten game in the first week of December. That made no sense. And they played another, and they then they had a break because they lost to Northwestern. And then they had the break, and they go to Nebraska. But I, I wouldn't chalk this up to anything more than these are early conference road tests, and in three weeks. Those teams probably win those games if they were on the road at the same time against the same team. Mm. It's just a different animal. You know, you're so early in the season. You're getting your uh, – for, for a lot of these teams, uh, it's probably, what, their third game back from, from the, the break, fourth game back from the break. Um, maybe they've hit a wall and you go on the road. Maybe this is the second road game in a row or the first of two road games in a row. So a lot of factors go into some of these. Yeah, and we'll have a couple examples of this on Saturday, both Saturday afternoon. You got number two Purdue headed to Iowa, and we'll touch on some of the biggest games this weekend uh, in the final segment of today's show. And you got Saturday night, uh, number one UConn at Villanova. Now, UConn has started to sort of take the Big East by, I don't know if I'd call it a stranglehold, but they're starting to take control at the top Mm -hmm. of that conference you get into deeper conferences, you know, the ones we just talked about, and it, it, it doesn't feel, John, like anybody is safe. And I'll, I'll, I'll go up to and including Purdue because of the, the Big Ten road effect. You know, uh, Choppy mentioned Houston. We've seen they're not immune to it in the Big 12, obviously. But if you're a ranked team, being, being a top five, top ten team doesn't make you immune to Going on the having to bring your best game on the road, and you know you're, you're you're seeing that in some of the early lines, for example, at least the Ken Palm projected lines for these games on Saturday. You know, we we, we talk about number two Purdue laying eight at Iowa. If that's what the line looks like on Saturday morning, uh, I, I know it's it, it's it's number two, but it's on the road in the Big Ten. If UConn, for example, is only laying one at Villanova, which is, again, the Ken Palm projected line right now as we're talking about it. Maybe that's a little bit of a different story. But, you know, going on the road, it just – this is – I don't know. Choppy makes a good point. As these teams find their conference legs over the uh, the next few weeks, maybe that effect gets mitigated just a little bit. But to me, it feels like something that until I see you prove – that you really can put put up your best game on the road in conference a couple times in a row. I don't know if I really consider you legitimate top five, top ten, top twenty team. Yeah, I mean, look, you you know when you talk when you start talking about you know teams that can win it all, which is you know inevitably you know the top ten. Um, whatever whatever you do at home is sort of. I mean, obviously, it all counts. It all matters. Okay, mm-hmm. but when we start to have that discussion, 
it's it's what did you do in the neutral games? What did you do on the road? If you're a team that really hasn't gotten many of those, um, yeah, I think you probably get treated with a little less uh, credibility just because you you get no home games in the NCAA tournament. That's what makes this thing so damn random. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, if if Purdue got to play home games, you know, in the NCAA tournament, they probably won it all last year. Who knows? Um, you know, that's that's what makes this thing so difficult to handicap. It's what makes it, you know, so so hard to to predict. You just don't know how a team is going to react. So, I mean, when I when I think about the teams that you know can can I, I want the teams that have been tested in the neutral in those preseason tournaments, you know, that have picked up some road wins. You know, a team that's you know, even if it's a team that's got top five, top ten wins at home, you're not going to get that familiarity you know, once the tournament starts. So, right. you know, for me, I always, always weigh the teams that have those neutral wins and those road wins a lot heavier. Uh, no question about it when it comes to tournament time. Yeah, I'll tell you, UConn's going to get home games. They're going to play in Brooklyn and then Boston in the uh, in the tournament. I mean, you, 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 I don't think, you know, looking at how the, how the, 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 the regionals are going to break down, I don't think there's a team that's going to have a more distinct home court fan base percentages than UConn come tourney time. And maybe you get a, uh, you know, a Purdue, which can travel easily to Detroit, but still, man, like, you know, we are talking about a, 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 a massive home court advantage from a fan perspective that UConn's going to get. Uh, Purdue will get Indianapolis and then Detroit. That's pretty cool for them. But yeah, you're yeah. right. I mean, there is no home games. You know, it's, it's not even about the crowd. It, it's the it's, right. it's it's the familiarity with the rims, the arena. Uh, you're in your own bed. Uh, you know Purdue and Indianapolis. I mean, they may be able to spend the night in their own bed and then drive over. Forgive yeah. my ignorance, John, but what's what's the reception? Let's let's say Tennessee ends up in Memphis in that that first and second round. What's the what's the re- I mean, obviously, Vols fans yeah, are going to travel. They're not. Yeah, they're not. We're, yeah. we're not just talking about people in Memphis, but in Memphis, what's what's what would the reception be like for them? You know, this is something that, you know, we've been doing this show for, you know, about four or five months now. And this is probably something that has been coming to a head, you know, for, for quite some time. You know, um, I graduated from Memphis. RJ alleges that he graduated from the University of Tennessee. <laughs> I don't what, see what, a what piece of paper on that wall back there, I'll That's convenient. I'm looking right at it's it. It's off the screen. That's convenient, right? <laughs> like it's not behind you, okay? Um, but there is a, um, there is a, and, and RJ, we should we should talk about this, man. There is a, uh, there is a, there's a rivalry between these two teams now. Tennessee doesn't want to acknowledge it. Tennessee doesn't want to be a part of it, but there just is. Memphis is on the west corner of the state. Tennessee's on the eastern side of the state in Knoxville. And it's just two schools that, you know, have no love lost for each other. Um, so the reception by Memphians for Tennessee fans, if they end up in Memphis, it will not be some what? homecoming where we roll out. the. We're going to throw eggs at the trucks, at the buses. All right. We're going to we're going to we're going to roll them. We're going to play ding dong bitch at their hotel room at the Peabody. <laughs> what if Memphis goes on a roll here and they both get put there? What if Memphis oh, gets that would like, be beautiful. Yeah. I that mean, would be that beautiful. might be asking be. a little too much, yeah. but it may be. They were on I a collision yeah, course last year. They were very close to playing last year before they Memphis blew it against FAU. They would have very, very likely. I think that would have been the yeah. Sweet 16 game, right? 
or the elite. Yeah. I can't remember elite eight. Yeah. I can't remember which one. Yeah, sweet sixteen. Yeah, they would have met because Memphis would have beaten Fairleigh Dickinson, and Tennessee did beat Duke in the second round. So that would have been a Sweet Sixteen matchup. That would have been awesome. That would have been one of the best games of the tournament. RJ, we got to get we got to get Tennessee's athletic department on board with renewing this series. Both teams are really freaking good. Both teams have history. You know, it benefits both teams. Forget what happened between Penny and Rick five years ago. I mean, it's good for the sport. We need more games like this in the non-conference. Yeah. We do, we do. Uh, yeah, and, and, and John's right. Like, it's, I mean, it's a total, they're not even in the same state. They're in the same state, but they're not. They're 400 miles away. Uh, yeah, it's it's, it's like, it, it's it's so far, it is completely different. One is, um, like, kind of, it's one is Hillbilly, and then the other one's Arkansas. Like, that Memphis is Arkansas, and Tennessee is, like, Western North Carolina, like Knoxville is, and I, I look. I think if they, if it comes out, there's a chance that Tennessee goes to Charlotte anyway, and, and not Memphis. It's, I think it's just the same distance. Uh, but yeah, there's no love lost there between. So I'd be all down with with renewing. I, I just don't think. I, I, look, I, I know John lives in Memphis. I don't think he wants to smoke though, because like it's, it's still a state school. It's still a state school. There's still more Tennessee fans in Memphis than Memphis fans. Look, I mean, look, we have we have Tennessee fans. We have we have a base here. But I would say this. The one versus two game that those two teams played, even though Memphis oh, yeah. was on the wrong side of that, it was a fantastic moment for college basketball. Peyton Manning was yeah. here, uh, Justin Timberlake was here. I mean, it was a it was a spectacle. Okay, and that is something that. And obviously, look those if those two teams played this year, it'd be a top ten matchup. So I don't want to hear yeah, it. Yeah. I don't want to hear Tennessee fans saying, "Well, Memphis isn't good enough." La 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 la. This is all come from Tennessee side. It's beneficial for everybody. There's no excuse. Let's get it back. I, I'm, I'm here for Hillbillies versus Rednecks. Absolutely. Give it to me. That's my sweet spot these days. It reminds me a lot of, to be quite honest, from a different regional perspective, it reminds me of the atmosphere between like Pitt and Penn State in football or what we have here in Pittsburgh in my backyard, the atmosphere between Pitt and Duquesne in basketball. Now, I'm not comparing Duquesne to Memphis, basketball right. quality that, wise that would be but an insult. It, it would be but i in so much as one school looks kind of looks down their yeah. nose at the other Absolutely. you know what i mean tennessee yeah, I mean, politically Mem- you have like the board of regents and you have a lot of stuff right with uh you know funding and everything like that and one's right. a power five school and one's you know right. a power six school right uh, which is a real thing um so you know that's the <laughs> That's the backdrop, you know, but I think it is. It's like, you know, it, it is. It is Pitt. It is Penn State. It is, you know, the, you know, there's a little uppity snobbishness going on on the, on the side mm-hmm. of Tennessee. And, you know, it's a good game for the sport, you know, and I think we got to get it back. So if we only we don't accomplish anything else on this show, we got to spark that discussion. Let's again. do it. We, Let's we do start. It. We, we will start the we'll start lobbying right now. Um, speaking of. <laughs> Speaking of looking down your nose or thinking you're better than somebody, something crazy happened in Austin. I guess it was Wednesday night. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Also, our best bets as we look ahead to this weekend's action on the hardwood. Uh, so much to come. And up next, there is a new coach in Tuscaloosa. Kalen DeBoer takes over for Nick Saban. What's that mean for the Tide and the dynamics in the SEC and really at the top? of college football in that power five or as john likes to claim 
six. That's all on the way alongside John Martin and RJ Choppy. I'm Chris Mack. This is Beck ULU. You've been listening to BetQLU, presented by BetMGM. If you missed any of the show, listen back anytime on the new and improved Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's get back to BetQLU, presented by BetMGM. And welcome back in to BetQLU, live coast-to-coast on the BetQL network every Friday night and Saturday morning. And, of course, catch us on Thursday nights on the Odyssey Sports YouTube channel as well. And whenever we're done with the show, it goes up as a podcast inside your Odyssey app as well, A-U-D-A-C-Y. I'm Chris Mack alongside RJ Choppy and John Martin. Uh, A week ago at this time, guys, John was a little under the weather, so Choppy and I persisted. We pushed through, and we talked about Nick Saban's retirement. And here we go. Already, they've got a replacement. They've hired Kalen DeBoer from Washington, who just took the Huskies to the national title game. 25-3 and in 28 games over the course of two seasons at Washington. We all know his story about dating back to his NII NAIA days, easy for me to say, at Sioux Falls. Um, the Tide still third on the board to win the title at 6-1. to one. Um, How do we feel about two things here, John? A, how DeBoer adjusts to the SEC, and B, how the rest of the SEC may or may not adjust to what could be a new-look Alabama. Yeah, I mean, I, I think first and, first and foremost, him taking the job, I think, suggests sort of how he felt about where his system is best suited. Um, and I think the answer is obviously the SEC, you know, because the Big Ten is the league where everybody plays defense, right? And I think, you know, you saw right in the uh, in the championship game, 
what that kind of looks like. And that was with Penix. That was a one-game sample. But, you know, the SEC is very different nowadays. Um, it used to be the grinded-out league where everybody held everybody to 14 points a game. But it ain't that anymore. Um, so mm-hmm. I think he'll fit in perfectly. And I think that's why he ultimately did decide to go because Washington matched, essentially. They matched the money. And I don't think you're running to replace Nick Saban if you're getting the same amount of money at your current stop unless you feel like systematically you're going to be at a better, um, you know, be at an advantage. And I think that's probably how he feels in the SEC. In terms of how the SEC adjusts to him, I think Lane Kiffin is uh, ecstatic. I think Kirby Smart is ecstatic. I mean, any any coach in that league that has had to, you know, go through Nick Saban the last, you know, 15 years is, you know, in, in, in heaven right now. Caitlin DeBoer might be great, you know. He also might not be. And that's that's music to everybody in the SEC's ears. I mean, I don't – I think he's I think he's got good stuff. I mean, I think he's a nice play caller. I think he's a pretty innovative guy. But beyond that, um, it's hard to know exactly – because I think Alabama is going to do some things that they haven't done, you know, in a long time. I think they're going to lose some weird games that we have never, you know, gotten uh, used to them losing. Like, I think they're probably mm-hmm. going to be in a dogfight with Tennessee every single year. They're going to lose games to Florida. They're going to lose, you know, games that you just took for granted, right? Um, I think that's about to change. So how does Alabama handle that as a fan base? That's kind of what I'm intrigued to see. But uh, I think it's a good hire. I think it's probably the best hire they could have realistically made based on the candidates that they chose to pursue. Um, that does not mean that it will work. Um, and so that, that remains to be seen. Yeah. I mean, considering Lanning and Sark weren't going anywhere, Norvell wasn't going to leave. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm missing somebody. Um, th- look for, for, for settling for your fourth choice, Bamman hit the nail on the head. When Tennessee set up for their fourth choice, we got Jeremy Pruitt. What Bama does, they mm-hmm. get Kalen DeBoer. It's like, okay, these two are not the same. But you're right. I mean, it's 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 a different it's a different world that Bama's living in now. The fans are panicking. Uh, they're they're thinking of giving up tithing. They want to take their tithe to the church <laughs> and move it to the athletic department. It just means more. Yeah. It means more than the Holy <laughs> Spirit. Okay, that don't ever tell me that your conference wants it more. When Bama's given up eternal salvation for football wins, so that's what I, that's what I know. But I, but look, I mean, is it going to be a different Bama? The whole conference is different, and John's right. I mean, the Big Ten is now the conference of defense. The SEC mm-hmm. has got Sark, and it's got Kiffin, and it's got uh, DeBoer, uh, and it's got Hugh Freeze, and it's got uh, uh, Josh Heupel. Uh, there there yep. are a ton of offensive minds in this conference now, very good ones that are going to put up a lot of points. Brian Kelly, there's a lot, you know, this is no longer the conference of defense. They're still going to get the great defensive players because they all live down there and they grow up down there and they dream of going to school down there. But occasionally Michigan will get their hands on one and Ohio State will get their hands on a few, you know, and that's just the way it's going to be. And you hope that they don't get their hands on uh, if you're an SEC fan, you hope they don't get their hands on their Jadavion clownies that are just these mm-hmm. freaks. You know that you hope that you can keep them in conference. But this is an interesting hire. Uh, I, I, I like it. I like it if you're Alabama. I think he's a really good coach. I don't know how it's going to fit with Jalen Milrow. 
Milrow can't do today what Penix could. Does that mean they bring it? Uh, he, was it? Did he just trans, uh, get Will Rogers uh, to transfer over there? And now he left the program. Maybe he brings yes. or tries to bring yes. him to Bama because he went to Washington and he's already gone back into the portal. But Bama's, Bama's just hemorrhaging players right now. Hemorrhaging players. Yeah. So it, that, it's going to be tough spot. September 28th, uh, their first SEC uh, home game against the Dogs against Georgia um, will be maybe that first big stiff test for Kalen DeBoer. Um, he's got to be more than, you know, he's got to be more than the Ray Perkins post Bear Bryant, or he's not going to last more than a year or two. Uh, Perkins mm-hmm. back in the day lasted four seasons. He won't last that long. He could, he, he, he could be better than Perkins. He could be better than Perkins and Curry, the two guys between Bryant and Gene Stallings. I still don't think that'll be enough for some people in Tuscaloosa. He, he's, they might give him a year. They might give him one year. If he's not in the playoff in the second year, especially a 12-team playoff where it's it's going to be mostly Big Ten and SEC teams, they will be looking to run – they'll be throwing him up in the trees at Toomer's Corners. Forget toilet paper. Um, but Jed Fish replaces him at Washington, which leaves an opening at Arizona. They hire Brett Brennan from San Jose State. But what's interesting to me is that immediately the dynamic – has already started to change between two big boy conferences and everybody else. Because when the opening at Washington came, okay, big boy conference, Washington in the Big Ten now, Jed Fish gone from what will be one of the two teams probably favored uh, atop the Big 12 next year. Right there with Utah, most likely, I would think. Arizona finished the season as the highest ranked team that will be in the Big 12 in 2024. And yet, it, Jed Fish goes, yeah, that's all well and good, but it's you guys know it's Arizona, it's Big Twelve. <laughs> I'm headed to the Big Ten by all means, and so um, immediately we start to see that dynamic, John, of everybody's filtering their way up into the two big boy conferences, and already the Big Twelve and even the ACC to an extent are going to feel a little bit left behind. You know, I would say like probably on a on its surface, Washington would be a better job than Arizona. You know, even if they were in the same league, so you probably do that anyway, just because the the history and tradition. But I mean, your point is still valid. I mean, we're sort of we're all kind of setting up for this, you know. And that's why I'll be interested to see how the playoff works. Um, I mean, the the sixth team in the Big Ten or the seventh team in the right. you know SEC is going to be like, yo, wait a minute, like, you know, they're going to be really good, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and probably not it. And so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's going to, it's going to be really awkward and really uncomfortable and obviously be interested to see how, you know, everybody adjusts to that. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a two conference nation right now. Um, you know, it's why Florida state's kicking and screaming. They know, I mean, they don't want to be yeah, a part of the know. ACC. They can't stand it. So um, it's where it's going. But, look, I'd say this. I think the Big 12's done a really good job asserting itself as the best outside, right? I mean, I think they're much healthier than the ACC, you have to say. Yeah. So I think there's still a place, right, for a league like that. It's when you get past those leagues, you know, that's on that second tier, 
where you're at, as an athletic department, you know, you really have to question what the hell are we doing? You know, where is this thing going? Are we dying on the vine? Are we going to get into one of those leagues? You know, and there's a few programs, right? Like the Mountain West is one of those leagues. Like, where do they fit in? You know, the, the AAC, yeah. the top of the AAC, where do those teams fit in? You know, that's what we're going to have to find out. I, I'll, I'll be honest. I was a little I, – I agree. I, I understand why Fish went to Washington. Um, and I wasn't surprised he went. But, you know, part, part of coaching is survival, and it's managing expectations. And if you're a coach, winning at Arizona gives you – I mean, money beyond belief because you're they're going to keep giving you raises, but also gives you a lifetime of job security. It's the same thing with DeBoer at Alabama. He could have stayed at Washington and coached there forever. Uh, Bama, I mean, he's yeah, he's going to get it's a higher prestige job, it's more money or whatever. He's going to be out of there in two years. If he doesn't win, and the same thing for Jed Fish at Washington. If he doesn't succeed there, he's going to be gone relatively quick. Arizona was a good team. They were going to be competing to win the Big Twelve. You win the Big 12, you're going to get into the tournament. He mm-hmm. would have had a much better chance to get into the tournament, I think, at Arizona this year than at Washington this year. We don't know what Washington's roster is oh. going to look like. They're going to lose a ton of wide receivers in the NFL. They don't have a quarterback. I mean, he had basically everybody coming back to Arizona. Um, so it's like it's a, it's a managing expectation situation. I mean, mm-hmm. buy low, sell high. Uh, yeah. Go to the place that's got no expectations as opposed to the place it does. That's where it'll be interesting to see, like John was talking about, you know, if if we're if there's one team from the Big 12 and one team from the ACC that get in and it's only the conference champ or maybe the other team from the conference championship game gets in, right? We're still talking about three, four, maybe five teams from each of the two big boy power two conferences. And that's where it becomes that much more important to end up in one of those conferences because your chances then become that much more likely that you can lose. Heck, maybe you can lose two games and still get in. Um, Look at, again, Penn State and Ole Miss this year. Would have been playoff teams with a couple of losses, each of them, uh, because of who they lost to in the conferences Mm -hmm. that they lost in. A program that's interesting in in this regard as we talk about the, the hierarchy of conferences would be Miami. Interesting enough that they are getting a tight end back, Cam McCormick, who will be returning for his ninth season of college football between COVID year and uh, medical red shirts and everything else. A guy who was in the same high school recruiting class with Nick Bosa and Jalen Hurts is going to be playing football for the Hurricanes this fall, John. Um I'm okay. Go with home it. and I be a care. family man, bro. You know, <laughs> be a grandpa. <laughs> go home. That's go what sign they told up for De- AARP. They told Del Curry. You know, go home and be a family man, bro. You don't need to be out here Del like this. Curry. What a reference. Uh, but yeah, he had season-ending injuries in 18, 19, 20, and 21. Plus, he gets the yeah. COVID year, so yeah. nine years of eligibility. Choppy. I mean, if he's getting nil, if he's that's you know, right. that's the only way I would I would that's really true. entertain it. Yeah, I mean, if he's getting paid to be there and you know whatever, I don't know. Miami has had. I don't know if that they're still solvent uh, after uh, you know all the bags they handed out in the first couple of years of this thing. But if they are and he's getting one, then more power to him. I'd, I'd stay as long as I could too. This this guy's got ear hair, all right. He is he is trimming ear hair in a college locker room. You, you don't see that. It's very very strange. Is is he twenty eight? 
Is he 27? He's 25. 25, yeah. And he's been there nine years? This is his ninth year? I'm I'm no math guy, but that ain't adding (laughs) up to me. All right? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't – yeah, this right? is good. This is this is not adding up. You're right. Hold on. It's, it, it, we it, did have on there, but though, right? Uh, right? Yeah, I guess I guess you're right. If you if, the way you do it with you know college years and such, but man, it's it's. I guess I would you do should, it if it's fun. You should you should go back to his page on the GoDucks.com site, the Oregon athletic website, because he was originally at Oregon for seven of these years. And just watch. It's like time-lapse photography going through his headshots. His freshman year, he's got short hair and braces. By the time you get to that seventh year at Oregon, he's got a full beard and looks like a man, a man's man. Uh, but, hey, again, good for him, man. If, you're, if they're going to give you the eligibility, then I guess lots of people go to school for 10 years. Um, to quote Tommy doctors. Boy, they're called doctors, exactly. Um, so we got to look at some of this weekend's biggest games and we will do that coming up in just a minute, because like we said, number one is on the road in a big conference matchup, uh, Purdue going to Iowa or excuse me, UConn going to Villanova, number two, Purdue going to Iowa and a couple other big conference matchups where teams will be headed on the road and may not, uh, may end up dogs where ordinarily they wouldn't be. We'll touch on those plus give you our best bets as well. And what went down in Austin Wednesday night that has all of us shaking our head alongside RJ Choppy and John Martin? I'm Chris Mack. This is BetQLU. You've been listening to BetQLU, presented by BetMGM. If you missed any of the show, listen back anytime on the new and improved Odyssey app. Let's get back to BetQLU, presented by BetMGM. And welcome back into BetQLU. We're with you every weekend, breaking it all down, whether it's talking about change in college football, now that they're in the midst of the offseason, or what's going on in college basketball, as there is another big slate of action this weekend to get into. Alongside John Martin and RJ Choppy, I am Chris Mack. And you've got us locked in here on your Odyssey app or however you get your podcasts, A-U-D-A-C-Y, download it today and take us with you. We will get to some of those big weekend matchups in just a moment. We'll give you our best bets as well, but we didn't have a chance to talk about this yet, guys. Wednesday night, first and foremost, UCF comes back from 16 down against Texas. Not just UCF comes back from 16 down against Texas. UCF comes back from 16 down against Texas in Austin. Longhorns fall to 1-3 and three in the Big 12 in their final year in the Big 12. And then, apparently, as they're getting ready to walk through the handshake line, some of the UCF players started throwing the horns down towards the crowd in Austin, to which Texas head coach Rodney Terry threw a little bit of a tantrum. Called it classless. Uh, blew him up in the post-game press conference. Um, and in fact, telling some of the players while he was still in the line, that's classless, don't do that, expletive deleted, we'll say. Um, 
And then on, on the follow-up, Johnny Dawkins, UCF head coach, said, I don't know what was going on. I, I didn't see it, but hey, uh, sorry for whatever happened. Um, it, first and foremost, John, if you're Texas, don't lose to UCF at home. Don't do that. And second of all, don't get all bent out of shape over a stupid hand gesture. I'm sorry. All apologies to everyone in Austin who considers horns down like some kind of goofy form of hate speech. It's not. It's something that players do. I, I remember them similarly losing their minds when West Virginia football players were doing this a couple years ago. Um, can we can we grow up just a little bit? Like, what are we doing? Huh. Yeah, I mean, this is this is pretty simple to diagnose. I mean, this is a uh, this is a coach that is losing. This is a coach who did lose, and this is a coach who didn't like that. Uh, you know, the opposing team was celebrating that on their home floor. Well, best way to prevent them from doing that, Coach Terry, is to not lose on your home floor. I mean, it's really that simple for me. So I usually never have any kind of energy for situations like this. Um, I don't think it's classless at all. I mean, I think it's part of the game. Um, <laughs> it, I think it's part of what makes college sports so great. You know, we're not dealing with, you know, 35-year-old men. We're dealing with, you know, practically kids. And I don't really think it's Rodney Terry's place to tell Johnny Dawkins' kids what to do. Um, yeah. Whether you like it or not, like if you want to have, if you want to call Johnny Dawkins after the game and you want to say, "Hey, man, you know, I just didn't appreciate that." Can you, you know, if you want to do that, man to man, that's between you and Johnny. But to whine about it and cry about it on the post game, um, I just thought it was weak. I thought it was weak all around. Um, you're just you're salty because you lost the game, Coach. I mean, you can try to masquerade and act like it's about this character and. I just thought, I thought it was, you know, you can try to dress it up however you want, but at the, at the end of the day, it would have never happened had you won the game if you had just not blown the, you know, 16-point lead. So I have no energy for it. I think Rodney Terry looks like a clown when he does stuff like that. Uh, and it's I would do the same thing. I, if I was an opposing team and I win at Texas, I'm going to do the same damn thing now every time. He's just guaranteed that. There's no doubt in my mind. Oh, I, I'm doing it after I hit a three right in front of their bench. Uh, I don't even have to win the game. I could be down 30, and I'm still going to do it. Uh, you know, like, that that's what's going to happen. For, that's the real. Like, like, honestly, like, what is the difference in Texas doing the horns up when they do something versus the other team doing the horns down? There's no difference. It's a gesture uh, that plays into the school that is playing in the game. It, 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 there's no difference. I've never understood why they get all bent out of shape when someone does the hordes down on them. It makes absolutely no sense. And and and, and it bothers me when the conference uh, try to put a stop to it in the football. I, it was it was dumb. Like let them if you're gonna you can't let them do the horns up if yep. you can't if you don't let them do the horns down. You know. But beyond that, I think college hoops, college sports in general. Yeah. Mostly college basketball. I don't feel like this has been the case in college football, but in college basketball, a lot of these coaches have always felt that they are teachers, teacher coaches. You know, mm. college football has always been more about the wins, the losses. The college basketball is too. College basketball's had this weird Bobby Knight teacher coach relationship thing going on for decades. Uh, you know, Coach K was big on this. You see, all these coaches were losing. Bayhai, they were big on this. And and now and that's just out of that's just out of date. You're not a teacher anymore. 
You know, like Mike, Coach K going up to other kids' players, other teams' players. Jim Beheim going other other teams' players. That's just out of style now. It's out of date. You're you're an old man and 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 stop doing it. Let the other coach do it. John's right. Call him up after the game. Tell him what's up, and then go from there. Don't get all mad and bent out of shape because some kid did the hordes down. Yeah, this isn't a high school gym class. I, I I don't know what we're what we're trying to do. You're there to win basketball games, and if you don't win basketball games get back with your kids and figure out how you're going to win basketball games, not what you're going to do if somebody throws up a stupid hand sign. It's just mm-hmm. it's totally irrelevant to the fact that they've started the season poorly in conference play. Big games happening uh, in multiple conferences this weekend. Saturday noon Eastern tips include Marquette St. John's, Creighton at Seton Hall, Baylor at Texas, which whew, only one, Ken Palm projected line has that just a one-point spread. We'll see if that's how it comes out. Um, Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern tips, Iowa State at TCU, which should be a good one. Bama, Tennessee on Rocky Top. Purdue at Iowa, uh, Saturday at 6, BYU, Texas Tech. Saturday at 8, I mentioned earlier, UConn visits Villanova. And Saturday, 8.30 Eastern, Ole Miss at Auburn. Uh, Any of these jump out at you, John? Because the ones that I see immediately are, if UConn only has to lay one at Villanova, I get it, Big East road game. Anything can happen, but I like UConn there. Um, even if their only loss this year is on the road in conference and their road uh, conference games have been particularly tight, if they're laying anything less than four, I'm all over it. Uh, Baylor laying just a one at Texas as a possibility too. Um, those are the ones that jump out to me. And I honestly just – I think the best 2 p.m. Eastern game above and beyond Purdue-Iowa, Bama-Tennessee I think could be a really good one too. Tennessee if they're only laying three. Yeah, I actually agree with all the ones you called out. Not to not to sound lazy here, but I mean those are the games that that sort of speak to me. I mean, I, I watched UConn mm-hmm. Creighton. Um, you know, <clears throat> I um, I have to stop fading UConn. I got to stop. I've lost yeah. an ungodly amount of money fading that team. Um, I think I've done it maybe nine, ten times since last March. I've lost every single time. Every, I think I'm 0-10 betting against UConn, mostly because like they covered every game in the tournament. So that was like six right there. Faded them last night. Thought Creighton would show up. They did not. Um, and so like I've got to I've got to stop trying to do that. Um, even if Creighton, even if UConn doesn't cover, right? I just can't fade mm-hmm. them because it doesn't work out for me. And I'm mentally at such a breaking point with them um, that I, the only thing I could ever do is bet on them at this point. Um, so I like UConn. I think UConn, you know, would they, would they have Klingon in the lineup? They are pretty much impossible to stop. They're not that much different from last year. Caravan's in the lineup. They brought in Cam Spencer. Tristan Newton's back. Klingon's back playing a bigger role. So when he's healthy, I love that team. I still think they're undervalued a little bit at, uh, 10 to one, basically. You can maybe get 12 to one some spots on them to win the title. Um, and then there, the other one you mentioned, um, there was one other one you you mentioned. Maybe it was Baylor, Tennessee. He had Baylor and he had Tennessee. Yeah, yeah Baylor, I, I think yeah, Tennessee, Baylor. if that number does open at three, it's not going to last very long at three. Um, that will go up pretty pretty soon, expeditiously. I think that will probably close at four and a half, five, maybe even. Um, I want to say Tennessee was in a pretty similar spot against Bama as a three-point favorite last year, and they uh, they won and covered and, and dominated. So I like Tennessee a lot. Uh, at three or even four, I think they roll Alabama. Yeah, look, I'm with you guys on all three of those. I mean, I think the Tennessee at number three is a little bit low for a home game. Uh, you know, yeah. Bama's Bama's good. I think Bama's a good team, but 
man, Tennessee's a really nice, a really solid team at home. Uh, the, the the two that I just don't understand, and and, and I'm almost well, I'm almost thinking of staying away from them. I don't get Baylor and UConn just being one point favorites. I, I don't understand how that would be. That makes absolutely no sense. It's it's screaming sucker bet to me. I'm gonna do it. I'll do it either way because I, it's just it doesn't make sense. Uh, but I'm scared to death of that. Now I get it's a road game, and we've seen over the last week a lot of teams lose tough conference road games. And you know UConn and Baylor are not going to be immune to that. You know they're gonna they're gonna drop road games here throughout the course of the season. Um, I just don't know if Texas is in any position right now after what happened with Rodney Terry to be beating a solid Baylor team. Um, no, you know, especially if, especially if they roll out that zone and Texas can't shoot for a little bit. I mean, that that, that thing can get away from them early. Before we wrap up here, boys, let's every once in a while we like to do this. Uh, if any of your best bets uh, include the NFL, throw those in as well. Maybe give people just a thought if you do have a, an NFL bet you want to throw in, as well as. Let's let's get uh, come on. Let's get crazy. Let's get ballsy. Let's let's throw our final four for the NFL playoffs. Who we think will make the, the uh, conference championship games as well. It doesn't have to be something you're going to bet on necessarily, but best bets and a touch on the NFL. John, I'll let you start. Uh, my best bet is uh, is Baltimore minus. I got it at eight. I'd still play it at nine. I know Marlon Ooh. Humphrey's out. Um, but uh, too, uh, too much love for CJ right now, and he's amazing. But I just, I, it's too much, too much love for him. Um, in a spot where Baltimore's coming off the rest, and they're not catching anybody by surprise anymore. Um, so I like Baltimore minus nine. Um, give me San Francisco. I think San Francisco covers. I've been riding the Packers, but I think this is where the ride ends. So I do like San Francisco here. They're just dominant when they have all their pieces. Um, let's go, um, let's go Detroit minus six and a half. Uh, that's the one I'm probably least confident in. And then I will say, uh, Kansas city finds a way to get it done as usual against Buffalo in the postseason. Oh, baby. Uh, this is a teaser weekend, man. This is a teaser weekend. I like, I like Baltimore at nine, but this is a, if you, if you tease Baltimore, San Fran, Detroit, and I would tease Kansas city, not Buffalo. I would tease Kansas City. What you would get them at eight and a half. You're getting Detroit wow. at a half point. You're getting Baltimore at three and San Fran at three and a half. I think you got something there. Uh, yeah. I, I, I also think you can get a team, good team total. Detroit's first half team total is only thirteen. That seems pretty low. I'm, That's a good offense. I'm, uh, so I'm with, I, I would do that four team teaser. I'm with you on all those except Kansas City. I think I'm officially out on the Chiefs. After watching firsthand the physicality of the Buffalo secondary last week, um, you know, I just don't know what that's going to do to Kansas City's wide receivers. Uh, Mahomes on the road, too. I don't know. We'll see how that but goes. They're banged up. I, I mean, one, they, they, were, they were great until they, until they left the game, and then Mason Rudolph started carving them up. They, I mean, they that, do have injury concerns. That, I, I'm not gonna yeah. lie about that. Like if 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 Kelsey and Rice can feed in the middle of the if they can feast in the middle of the field, I think they've got a chance. But as it is, after watching the way Buffalo handled things, even despite those injuries, granted against Mason Rudolph, not Patrick Mahomes, I feel okay yeah. about Buffalo. I love Tampa uh, to at the giving them six and a half, given Detroit yeah. secondary and how much Tampa's secondary has improved. Uh, in the last two and a half months, like it. you guys, I, I like Green Bay and Houston as well, especially if we tease them down off those nine and a half numbers. Harbaugh, 
11 and a, 11 and 6 against the spread all time coming off a bye. That's something to consider as well as those three hoops plays we gave you a little bit earlier as well. We'll be back again next week to do it all over again. We'll talk hoops, especially as we really start to feed into the meat of those conference schedules alongside the fastest typer in the West, RJ Choppy and John Martin. I'm Chris Mack. Thank you again for joining us here on BetQLU. You've been listening to BetQLU, presented by BetMGM. If you missed any of the show, listen back anytime 